If you have your Bibles, uh, be turning to Psalm chapter 116, the 116th Psalm, if you would. And I want you to imagine this morning that you have been diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you had a specific kind of surgery. You come through the surgery good and all is well, but the doctor then tells you that you're going to have to take a certain pill every night for the rest of your life. Or you're going to die. Now let me ask you today. Would you ever forget to take that pill? Would there, would there ever be a time when you'd come to the end of the day or maybe wake up the next morning and say, oh, I just didn't get around to it. I just got so busy and so distracted, I didn't take that one pill that if I don't take, I'm going to die. I think the fact that you either take that pill or die would be pretty good motivation to make sure that you prioritized the taking of that pill. You would never forget. That would never be something that you would miss. And may I suggest to you this morning that prayer is like that pill in the sense that if we don't pray, we're not going to die We're not going to lose our salvation, but we're going to have a difficult time spiritually if we don't pray. At least I know that's true for me. You may be more exceptional than I am, and I'm willing to concede that this morning. But I'm just telling you, just speaking for myself, When I say, I'm I'm speaking for myself, when I say that prayer is my lifeline. Now I'm guessing that for some, as Pastor Tyler spoke a moment ago, it's kind of a last resort. I mean, when you've tried everything else and you've exhausted all of the, the other avenues, this thought comes to you, ah, you know, maybe I should pray, maybe that'll work. For others, perhaps prayer is more of an obligatory part of your Christian life. I mean, the Bible says pray, so I pray. That's kind of like a teenager mowing the lawn because his dad told him to. It's obligatory obedience. But for some here this morning, I have no doubt but that prayer is a lifeline. Now, when, we, when I use the word lifeline, 
I looked up that definition and it's defined like this. It is a thing on which someone depends or which provides a means of escape from a difficult situation. And I have no shame in admitting this morning that I need the Lord in my life. Call it whatever you want to call it. You will not shame me. I am weak. I need the Lord in my life. And I'm not ashamed to admit that prayer is a way of escaping. At least for brief moments of time from difficult situations. During our time together this morning, I want to share a few reasons why we should pray. And no doubt there are many other reasons to pray. I'm just going to give you three this morning from our text here in, in uh, Psalm chapter 116. And here's the first one. The first reason we should pray, according to the psalmist, is because God hears. Look at these first two verses of Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, Will I call unto him as long as I live? I like the picture of God that the psalmist offers us here when he says that he hath inclined his ear. The Hebrew word there for inclined is interpreted elsewhere in the Old Testament as bow or bow down or stretch out, or stretch forth. And so here's the picture that the psalmist paints for us. It is that of the God of the universe. Now stop and think about that. The God of the universe. I'm talking about the God who spoke everything into existence with just the sound of his voice. And the psalmist pictures him here bending low, Bending down, stretching forth to hear us when we pray. Can you believe that? God hears us. I'm talking about you and me. Just everyday ordinary people. We're not talking about a bunch of spiritual elites. We're talking about us. God hears us. That is, if we're praying. Let me just ask you a simple question. When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you gave God an opportunity to bend his ear? When's the last time you you gave God the opportunity to incline himself toward you. You see, as your pastor, I can pray for you. And I do every week. God knows. Since the summer of 2000, I have prayed for every family 
that is a member of Fellowship Baptist Church every week. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I can probably count on one hand and have, have a finger or two left over of the days since the summer of 2000 that I have failed to pray for every member, every family of Fellowship Baptist Church. I can pray for you, but I cannot pray in lieu of you. I cannot lift up your voice to the Lord. You know what is greater, a greater tragedy than prayers not answered? Prayers not offered. And let me ask you this. When you do pray, how do you pray? I ask that because I want us to understand this morning that prayer is not mindless chatter. It's not just repeating things or reading things. With John Bunyan who said, when you pray, rather let your heart be without words than your words without heart. God does not listen to mindless chatter and meaningless words. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 29, he called his people out for that very thing. Through the prophet Isaiah, here's what he said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me. Watch this but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of man. What is God saying there? He's saying this, that his people were simply going through the motions. There was no heart there. There was no passion there. There was no fervency there. And I'm guessing that all of us, including myself, at some point in our Christian life, probably more than once, we have prayed like that. Our mind has been there, our heart has been there, our passion, there's no passion, there's no fervency, there's no urgency about it. It's just obligatory. It's just something we're doing because we know it's something that we're supposed to do. Listen, there is a huge difference between praying a prayer and saying a prayer. Anyone can say a prayer. That is, they can rattle off a bunch of canned verbiage, but to God, listen, it's just blah, 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 blah. When our heart is not in it, if your heart is disengaged, God's not going to listen. And then let me add this real quick, neither will he hear if we harbor sin in our heart. In Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist clearly stated, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So not only must we pray prayers that are sincere from a sincere heart, but we must pray from a pure heart. So, 
why should we pray? Well, first of all, the psalmist says, because God hears. But not just that. Let's look at the second thing. Because God cares. He cares. Look at verse 3. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then, he said in verse 4, called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. Listen, the reason God hears us is because he cares about us. The word merciful literally means to suffer with. So here's what we learned this morning. God feels your hurt in his heart. Whoever this psalmist was, we're not not sure. But whoever he was, he felt like all hell was coming against him. And was squeezing the very life out of him. And so he prayed because he knew that God hears and that God cares. I would venture to guess that out of all of the people that are here now and those that will be back tonight at at 6.30. I don't know this for sure. I'm just venturing a guess that Someone literally cried themselves to sleep last night. Maybe because they were lonely. Perhaps because they were hurting. Greatly burdened. Confused. Depressed fearful, afraid, whatever. But I want you to know this morning that God saw every tear. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples were in a boat. Jesus had been teaching and preaching and ministering all day, and he was tired, he was exhausted, and so he fell asleep. And on their way across the Sea of Galilee, one of those storms that we talked about a couple of weeks ago came up. And it was so bad, the text says, the narrative says, that they were afraid they were going to die. Now these were men who fished for a living on that sea, in that boat. They had weathered storms before, but in this storm... They were afraid they were going to die. And as the story goes, they woke Jesus up. And here's what they said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Have you ever asked the Lord that? Lord, do you care? God, do you even care that I'm in a storm? Do you care that I'm in trouble? God, do you care that I'm alone? 
God, do you care that my body is racked with pain? God, do you care that my life seems to be in a tailspin right now? God, do you care that my teenager is breaking my heart? God, do you care that my marriage is on the rocks? Lord, do you care? We okay this morning? Lord, do you even care? Do you give a rip? Once Jesus was awake, he arose and he said to, his, to the wind, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. And then he said this as he turned to his disciples. Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? It's like Jesus was asking them, why would you think I don't care? What would have ever given you the thought that I do not care? I mean, in my mind, accusing the Lord of not caring has to be like doubling up your fist and just punching him in the heart. Here's how I envision him responding in those kinds of situations. You're asking me if I care? You see these holes in my hands? You know why they're there? Because I care. You see these holes in my feet? I got those because I cared. Put your hand in this hole in my side and then remember, that's there because I care. These scars on my brow, that's care. Just like the scars on my back. Yes, yes, I care for you. That's why I invite you to cast all of your care on me. Because I care for you. There's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament, book of Genesis chapter 16. You can read it when you get home this afternoon. But it's a great picture of how God sees our pain and, and cares about our hurt. The stories about Abraham and his wife Sarah and, and their, their maid, her maid, Hagar. And God had promised, if you know the story, God had promised Abraham and Sarah that, that they would have a child in their old age. And so they waited and they waited and they waited for what seemed like an eternity, but God never came through. And so Sarah gets this idea in her mind whereby they perhaps could have a child. She convinced her husband Abraham to go in and lay with her servant in hopes of her servant conceiving and just by chance bearing a son. Well, if you know the story, you know that it worked. Hagar got pregnant. But when she did, Sarah became very jealous of Hagar and started mistreating her something terrible. As a matter of fact, it got so bad that Hagar had to leave. And so here she is. She's in the wilderness all by herself. She's pregnant. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have anywhere to go. She doesn't have anyone to turn to. 
And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord met her at her point of need and told her that she needed to go back. And in verse 13 of Genesis 16, it says this, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. Hagar's wilderness experience brought her face to face with God and taught her some very important truths about him. At that moment in time in her life, she learned that he is the living God who sees us and hears our cries when we hurt. So why should we pray as the choir sung about it, Pastor Tyler sung about it, and pastors preaching about it now. Why should we pray? Because God hears. And because God cares. And finally, because God answers. Look at verses 6 through 8. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou, here's the answer, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. A couple of chapters later in Psalm 118, the Bible says this, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord, I love this, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? And I love this classic verse from the pen of Isaiah excuse me, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, here's the invitation, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Listen, church, God says, pray, call unto me. I've got my ear bent low. I'm listening. I want to answer you. And I want to do it in great and mighty ways. That's why we pray. At this point, someone may be thinking, well, Pastor, I've prayed and prayed and prayed. And nothing has happened. And they're wondering, well, where's God in my life? I hear about people talking about God in their life, and, and I'm sitting here this morning, and I'm wondering, well, where's God in my life? Where are those great and mighty things that, that you're talking about this morning? Where are they in my life? Let me just offer a word of caution here. God is not like a slot machine 
where you drop in your money, pull the lever, lever, and your blessings just come pouring out. Now, I know you can buy books that tell you that, and you can listen to, you can watch television broadcasts that some guy will stand up there and tell you that, but I'm telling you, that's nowhere in the Bible. It's not in there. Neither is he like a microwave where you pray and boom, your prayers are answered. God, I need a job. Boom. Some guy, some random stranger walks up to you and says, you look like you need a job. I've got a job for you if you need one. You go to the post office, somebody walks up and you say, you look like you could use a hundred bucks. Here's a hundred bucks. Say, well, pastor, can God do that? Absolutely God can do that. God can give you more than a job. He can give you the company if he wants to, for crying out loud. He can give you more than a hundred bucks. He can give you a hundred million bucks if he wants to. But what we need to understand this morning is that God is under no obligation to do any of those things for us. Here, here's, here's what we desperately need to understand this morning. Prayer is not foremost about getting. It's about growing. Please don't miss that. First and foremost, prayer is about growing closer to God. You remember the verse, it's a classic verse over in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And verse 14, it's a, it's a great verse where the writer says, God says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my, my what? My face. Now stay with me. Not my hand. That if, if, if my people will seek my face, what he's saying there, church, is this. If God's people will seek me. God wants us. It's not just a cute statement, it's true. God wants us to desire his presence more than his presence. Look at it. God wants us to desire his presence more than his presence. God wants us to want him, not just what he can do for us. Now listen, I'm thankful for a God that can do the impossible. But I'm still learning that my prayer time needs to be more about Him than it is about me. 
And you know what, church? It wouldn't hurt us. And I know that, 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 that we had a time of prayer corporately this year in, in which we didn't ask for one thing. All we did was come and bow a knee and thank the Lord. And it wouldn't hurt us if maybe one day out of the week our prayer time was taken up with nothing but thanking God. And praising Him for who He is, for who the Word says He is. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, He's the bread of life, He's life itself. He's the healer, He's the forgiver. And just remind ourselves over and over. Say, well, preacher, what's that about? Well, it's, it's about Him. It's not about me. Now, I'm going to preach on prayer again in two weeks. As we start the new year next Sunday, we're going to start out on Sunday mornings, we're going to begin studying the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to talk about prayers. we get to Nehemiah chapter 2. And so I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop here. But I want to end today with a quote from one of my favorite authors. His name's Max Licato. I love this. You say, well, preacher, I'm just not very good at praying. I, man, that's why I hope they never call on me in, in Bible study. I hope they never call on me in church to pray because I'm just not very good at praying. Well, I hope that this quote will help you today because here's what he said. Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers make a difference. <laughs> Somehow, we, sometimes we get the idea that, that the power of prayer is in us and how we present it to God. No! The power is not in the one who prays it. It's in the one who hears it. And I would just add to that, but that's only true if we pray. God has not answered 100% of the prayers that you haven't prayed. Again, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. Prayer is not all about getting. Is there a time when it's appropriate for us to bring our knees before the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. But should that be the foremost focus of our prayer time? No. It should be about So understand this this morning, the most important word, listen, the most important word in any prayer is the first one. Because if you don't give the first one, then, none, then this is for naught. You don't have to be a pro prayer. 
You don't have to be the best person when it comes to prayer. You just, have a, you just need to have a heart of faith. Says God, I'm coming to you because I love you and I believe your word. And your word says this. And we begin, and we'll talk about this a couple of weeks, we begin praying God's word back to him. So let me just stop there and ask you this again this morning. How's your prayer life? I think it's an honest question. I think it's a fair question. It's a fair question to your pastor. It's a fair question for our ministry staff. It's a fair question for our deacons. It's a fair question for all of us this morning. How's our prayer life? Well, preacher, I tell you, man, I read through the Bible. I read through the whole Bible this year. How's your prayer life? Well, preacher, I, I, I memorized... I memorized the whole 119th Psalm. How's your prayer life? Well, God, I tell you, I, I didn't miss one Sunday in 2019. How's your prayer life? Because none of those things are a suitable substitute for prayer. I'm glad you read your Bible. I'm glad you memorized Scripture. I'm glad you were faithful to church. But none of those things can ever or should ever take a back seat to prayer. So, let's pray. Father, as we humble our hearts,